think after 160 episodes this would get easier, but it doesn't. Jesus Christ, I don't know what I'm doing right now. <laughs> it, the Cincy Brewcast just gets more and more complicated as time goes on, but we are live. We, we're not live. I'm live. You guys are live, right? Everybody's not live. Everybody, yep. can, we're everybody, live. everybody feel live. We're in Athens. So this is the um, uh, this is the Cincy Brewcast road trip. We we talk about Cincinnati a lot on the show. Like that's all we talk about. And there's a lot going on in our city. And once a year, we just give it the middle finger and we leave and we just drive. We go east and wherever we end up we end up and it seems that we always end up here in Athens um, at Littlefish for the well I've been to Littlefish a few times but the show has not been to Littlefish here we are in the corner of what is the do we call it the old Littlefish taproom because things are going to change or uh, um, how, how does this where am I so this is Sean speaking. I'm one of the co-owners of Little Fish, game. co-founders and um, and the head brewer. So where am I? Hey, Gnome. Um, so so we're basically in the in the brew alley right now, um, and the original building and the tap room. It's all in one 2,400 square foot building. And um, yeah, we are doing some expansion right now. So we will. You know, next talk next year that. next year I guess this will be the original brewery, but. Right now, it's is it, the is it going to be separated? Oh, um, yes, no, maybe so. See, um, well, let's let's dive <laughs> into it a little bit later. I can just give you the whole. So we're at Little Fish. I guess we can say that <laughs> we are at Little Fish, and um, Sean, you've been on the show a few times. Uh, Brad from Jackie O's, you've been on the show twice now. You are. Yeah. In this this lineup, you are, I guess, the. Uh, uh, he's you, the OG. Yeah, yeah, he's no, no, but he, he's not though. So Seth, so the first oh, year, yes. the, Seth was on the first one. The, yeah, the yeah. first year yeah. we did a yeah, I was live in Asheville for a beer on location, fest. whatever you want to call it. Um, Brad was not here, so Seth sat in for Brad. So he is like the the newbie. Uh, sure, yeah. but I mean, as far as like the Athens, <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's, you know, let's let Brad's him be. The OG. Let's let him be the newbie no. tonight. <laughs> He's the Godfather, man. Yep. He's not tonight. Be the nice one to time we can talk down to him. And one. then <laughs> it's the only time he goes. Never and then, again. And then Cameron, of course, from Devil's Kettle. Hello. Um, which I think I, yeah, I don't know if I spent more time at Devil's Kettle or Jackie's today. Um, I would have to like. Uh, pull up some kind of app on my phone to tell me how long I've been at places. But I spent a lot of time at your brewery today, and I drank a whole lot of things, and they were all fantastic. Um, we need to talk about a whole lot that's been happening here in Athens. Um, everybody say hi so people can hear your voices. If they haven't already, let's start from my end and work our way down. Everybody introduce yourselves. Hello. Um, say um, who you are. I'm Cameron Fuller. I'm the owner brewer at Devil's Kettle Brewing. My name is Brad Clark. I'm the director of brewing operations at Jack Yeo's Pub and Brewery. And I'm Sean White. I'm one of the co-founders and the head brewer at Little Fish. Welcome to the show, guys. Welcome back to the show. Thank um, you. It's been a year. There has been a whole lot 
that's happened in Athens, kind of. I like you. You you pull into town and it still feels exactly the same as it it did last year, or I'm sure as it has felt for years and years and years before that. But yet, like you you look a little bit deeper and there's 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 lots of shit happening. Um, I want to start on this end with Cameron. Um, I'm making hand motions because nobody can see them because that's how I roll. You guys are just chugging along. You, for for Ohio Brew Week, which is why we're here, you've d- decided to do a, um, what do you call it? The uh, eight beers. Eight days of barrels. So, yeah, I, I would say uh, chugging along is a good description. Um, <laughs> I, I'm like a, a pessimist brewery owner who I'm like, I'm just waiting for the bubble to burst. And, in uh, Athens, the bubble? Uh, no, no a- the Athens is going to support us. That's There's, not what I'm worried about. No so I'm just all about like staying we'll small and just kind of chugging along, just making damn good beer and keeping it mostly in the Athens area. So unfortunately to the Cincinnati listeners, uh, you're not going to find Devil's Kettle beer in Cincinnati. Um, but yeah, for this, Devil, for this uh, Ohio Brew Week, uh, we're doing eight days of barrels where for each day, well, really the first eight days of a nine-day week, uh, we're releasing a different barrel-aged beer. I know we've talked about it on the show before, but let's hats off. Like before we start, like hats off for a brew week to give like ten days or nine days or whatever it is to a seven-day week. I mean, it accounts for your bender. I mean, there's going to be some lost days in there, so you got to account. Um, yeah, so anyway, yeah, we're releasing a different barrel-aged beer each day. Uh, four uh, mostly clean barrels, uh, port barrel-aged and bourbon barrel-aged uh, barley wines and stouts, and four different variants on sour beers. Um, and each one is going to be accompanied with a very limited release of bottles, just hand-bottled, tiny release. Brad, Jackie O's, what are you guys doing for Brew Week? Um, we have, I think, a little over 50 different beers on draft between our three locations. So, um, yeah, kind of... Just 50 beers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, we have a, a ton of different beers on. Kind of our our uh, our approach to Brew Week over, the, I think, the past four or five years has been, let's just put a, a bunch of different beers on draft and um, let's make sure that everybody's coming through, gets good service. And and hopefully enjoys our beer. What are you excited about? Oh man, uh, there's a beer called Iron Furnace that we haven't released yet. Uh, I brought a bottle that we'll open up here. Ooh. It's a uh, it's a thirteen and a half percent bourbon barrel aged barley wine that was brewed with over forty gallons of maple syrup per twenty barrel turn. Jesus and uh, it, it, it's a really exciting beer, and we've got. A bunch of different sours on. Um, we've got some fun Berliner treatments up at the brew pub. The the strawberry, the strawberry rhubarb. rhubarb. Oh yeah. my god! Yeah, that, that one, I had that one this morning and it was tasting pretty good. Um, so I, yeah. I felt a little self conscious sitting at the bar today drinking it. It Looks gig- just like a daiquiri, doesn't gig- it? Oh, I yeah. giggled. I was yeah. giggling and like that there were people looking at me and I'm like, no, it's really good. Like, did you get a sugar rim? Um, I did Hopefully not. not. I did not. <laughs> Gnome doesn't sugar rim. Oh. There's <laughs> nothing worse than the unsolicited <laughs> sugar rim or like cinnamon sugar rim on a on a craft beer. <laughs> Does Jackie like, oh. sugar rim things? No, hell no, <laughs> no, no, nothing sugar coated or rimmed. 
right, moving on. Um, <laughs> How many times can you say Rim? And, you know, plenty, yeah. I guess. Uh, but yeah, that's the main thing uh, that's kind of new for us. If a gnome is looking year. for a Rim job on their beer, uh, where do I go in Athens? <laughs> Probably the Sunset Hotel. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but I'm uh, that's my next door neighbor. Oh, They're yeah. wonderful. <laughs> it's, ex- it's always exciting. <laughs> my place comes with some entertainment. It's too early in the show. <laughs> Sean, how are you? Hi. <laughs> um, so, like, we we need to talk to you a lot today because like there's been a whole bunch that's happened here, and they, there's this big plywood wall in front of us, and you guys are like. Just barreling forward with something. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a very interesting time. A little fish. We are doing expansion. Um, we are adding on a fairly modest kitchen that will kind of put us into the brew pub arena, sort of. Uh, we won't. We're not going to do like table service and waiters and waitresses, but there will be a kitchen here where we'll make food and we'll make food in the same sort of philosophy that we make beer in, which is like very local, seasonal, sustainability oriented. Um, and, and we're really excited about that. Uh, it, you know, we've been doing the, the food truck thing for a while and that has worked out well for us, but I think we are looking at this as like a real opportunity to sort of become more of what we envision we could be from day one. To tie it all together. Sure. Um, so we'll get, you know, uh, we'll have a basically... A lot more square footage. Uh, we're a pretty tiny brewery. I mean, 2,600 square feet or something like that. And it's basically doubling um, starting, you know, probably after brew week. I mean, everything was supposed to be done by now. I don't know if you can tell. I, I read that. <laughs> yeah, everything was supposed to be done. But that's okay. You know, that's construction and, and that's how things go. Um, but, you know, we're adding on a lot of production space. And the production space is, is really mainly just for barrel-aged beers and, and the sour beers and the farmhouse sales that we're super passionate about. Um, so it's, you know, a lot of that beer just takes time and space. Um, and a lot of, and the other reason why we're expanding is just like we ran out of space. You know, it's not necessarily about making a whole lot of more barrelage at all. It's just that, you know, you need a lot of space to store things and we've run out of space in this building. So yeah, just, you know, putting it all together, it was just like a natural phase um, that, you know, I think I always knew we were going to probably run up against that, you know, when we looked at this building for the first time and saw the square footage, like, it, it always made me a little nervous and, you know, it just, just seemed like a small space to move into. So, you know, I mean, I think looking at three years in and we're making this happen, I feel pretty good about things, you know, like the, the businesses you know it's the business is doing well that we can that we can do this that we can make the revenues that we need to do to um you know to make uh, an expansion happen and 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 things are looking really good so yeah so the idea of the expansion is just to to to, to grow creatively or is it just to to fit into what you had this idea before is it is it yeah what? i think um all the things that we're about to do now, I sort of envisioned for us you guys, one day. You guys started, yes. you, but you guys started off pretty like um, ambitious. Is that a good word to use when you started off like that? I mean, from 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 day one in Cincinnati, seeing the beer that 
we were getting coming in, it was it was stuff out of the the fooders and 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 barrel aged things and sour things and stuff that a lot of breweries that that you know we're familiar with in Cincinnati. Like it it took them like a process to get to that, and you guys just launched right into it and kind of big middle finger and said, "Hey, this is who we are. This is what we want to do." here it is yeah i mean i guess we always wanted to um brew the beers that we're the most passionate about and um you know i had some time in the industry you know um working for say cascade out in oregon and working with some barrels out there even as a very um cascade you know as a as a very 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 low guy in the totem pole but you know good good experience you know making beers and working with barrels and then from there, you know, coming to Jackie O's and working in the pub and getting some time working on that brew house and getting to work with Brad and to, um, you know, to work on some of my own recipe formulation on the brew pub system and to work with the barrels and to sort of learn about barrels on a very small scale and to have all of that sort of accumulated experience coming into doing Little Fish. So- um, not, not that, not that I feel like a master of that process at all still to this day. Definitely not when we started, but it was something, it was something to start with, you know? So we just want, we just got it going, you know, from day one. You, you knew what you wanted to, to do and just rolled with it. Is that a good way to put it? Yeah. And I think, you know, I think an important part of what I personally try to embrace in the brewery is like not being afraid to fail and, and you know, if you're afraid to fail, you're not going to try things, and and um, you're not gonna you're not gonna be ambitious. You know, so if you're gonna be ambitious, you have to be willing to fail. You have to be willing to dump beer out if necessary. We're gonna talk about that, Brad. Sure. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, you know, all of those things. You know, <laughs> we will talk about it. <laughs> so, like, I mean, let's go to Cameron. So, I like to think in my head. Here in Athens, all roads lead to Jackio's. You did not work at Jackio's, right? No, I was just the story of a You're local a home, home brewer, brewer right? that got obsessed, had a bunch of success in some competitions, and figured, what the hell? Why? Uh, well, at that point, Jackio's was the only one in town. Um, you know, who knows? And at that point, Sean hadn't even been at Jackio's for that long, and I know he was making some beers there that were really good, and I thought that seemed like a good fit there for him. Uh, you know, this is much better for him. But so I thought that seemed stable, and I was like, well, my only opportunity to actually brew professionally will probably be just to go out on my own. Um, and so, shit, little did I know uh, if uh, I knew that, like, Sean was going to leave Jackio's and, you know, start his own brewery. I, I might have, like, applied for their pub brewer job. But, <laughs> you know, I had already uh, jumped in feet first and, like, purchased the property and uh, was starting my thing uh, when I found out, like, three weeks later that Sean was doing the same thing. So what I, what I find so exciting about Athens coming out here is how different – like, there's, there's three of you guys in a city that, like – probably should have maybe one brewery like it doesn't make sense that there's three um depending on how you i i I think three is working quite well actually uh, one one was fine for a while but uh not not that it's not that it's not not working well yes and no i business is is it 
I was talking about this more? like earlier today, like from from you know Cameron starting, Littlefish starting, Cider House, Pleasant Hill Winery, Shade Winery. Wait, wait, wait I've heard of these places. These are wineries, but let's write that down. You know. Um, Anyways, to have more things that, that people that are interested in beer or, or alcohol and drums. Um, well, anyways, <laughs> that are interested in that, they can make a day out of it. They can make a weekend out of it. Um, even though, you know, Athens is an hour and 20 minutes, an hour and 15 from Columbus, that's long enough for people to say, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of far away. And what makes that so difficult is that we don't have a thriving metropolis here. And the fact that we now are all together and, and coexisting in this area has brought down more people. And uh, it's actually, it's, it's, it's been, I mean, our, our, our production hasn't slowed by any means because there's other brewers in town. Obviously, we've gone outside of Athens and are distributing throughout the state and what? in other states. But... Um, but still, like it's still working just so, just like it was. A, a question for all of you guys: like on on an Athens side, how many breweries can a city like Athens support? You know, we we get this question in Cincinnati a lot: that oh, it's a bubble, it's done. It's there's another brewery, and and, and you know, fuck them all, and like it, it can't you can't have another one. Here's another brewery, and it doesn't make sense, and. It's every single week there's people like just, just, just raising hell about how you can't succeed because you opened a brewery and yet it works and people smile and they say, well, here, you know, we, we like the beer and you know, screw you for saying that. And would, they drink the beer. I'd say it all depends on uh, what their aspirations are. I mean, if they just want to go the brew pub route, we could probably handle a, two or three more brew pubs. Uh, but, you know, if somebody comes in and drops, like, $10 million trying to, like, compete on the Jackio's yeah. level, well, hell, they don't have any kind of establishment. They right. can't do that. And, I mean, just to put that in a perspective on a more national level, I mean, it's sort of the brewing industry is trending that way. You know, the, the, the tougher areas to be competitive and to, and to grow is at, as a regional brewery. And, you know, we're seeing a trend towards more local breweries more more small breweries a, and that's Athens doesn't have like that tiny nano brewery neighborhood thing yeah. happening well I mean one thing to also consider is a fourth brewery hasn't opened in three years mm-hmm. so um, that doesn't mean that there can't be more but n- nobody's felt that they needed to do that quite yet um, but yes I, I, I totally agree with Cameron and and Sean that uh you know yeah smaller brew pub operations or a nano or or something that's extremely kind of niche and you know focused about um certain things could definitely w- still work here and you know enrich the brewing community why are we not seeing that um I I think it well so Athens has a very seasonal um like revenue, like economic flow, mm-hmm. right? So students are here, students leave. Um, and it doesn't affect all businesses, but that is something that um, I think a lot of people consider before they invest money. Um, and, and brewing is not a, like a, you know, it's, you have to invest a lot of money into e- equipment and space and all this stuff. So I think that that is something that definitely deters people 
from getting into it in very small communities like like it's, Athens. It's a scary prospect to get into yeah. like a, a place where it, it it shouldn't make sense to open a brewery in Athens or a place like Asheville or you know like there's there's you know like there there are countless cities that it doesn't make sense that a brewery would work and yet it does it it flourishes it. Well, um, I mean it it, it kind of depends. Well, there's a lot of things that could depend on. I mean, if you think about, let's just say, how many people overall just drink beer, any beer, you know, whether it's macro or micro or whatever, um, you know, the and, and craft is what? Let's let's be generous and say, I don't know, 10% of the people in Athens drink um, craft beer. You know, I mean, if you can open up... Is that an accurate number? I mean, I'm just, I'm just throwing in, out in a number. Head, and it's not you know entirely unrealistic let's say i mean it, even it doesn't it doesn't actually really matter what the number is specifically it could be 30 percent or five but we've still got that remainder of this you know very large market share that if they can be turned on to to drinking craft beer you know the the local market right now is you know endless for now it's 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 literally almost infinite so i think um you know, that's one thing I always credit to Jackios for having the Uptown Pub Brewery is, like, say, they've just turned on so many college-age drinkers to craft beer. And um, those are people that they weren't introduced to it before Jackios maybe. And um, if, if they didn't have the Uptown Pub within walking distance from the college, they may never have had that experience. So, um, you know, I think between all three of us really... As long as we can continue to bring in new drinkers into the fold of craft beer, that the market is kind of endless. And you know, it's not even just like new drinkers; um, it's the people that come to Athens. Uh, we were talking before about the idea of like beer tourism, and with my location, like I'm so far away from the students that mm-hmm. I pretty much don't see any students at my place. Like when I ID uh, somebody who looks young. They end up like giving me a, a ID that's like they're 25 years old, and I'm like, "Damn, you're a grad student. You're young coming to my but, place." But that's a good point. Like um, I was talking to somebody earlier when I first came into town, and they were talking about places that I needed to go that weren't the breweries in town that I already knew I needed to go, and they were talking about uh, uh, Eclipse. Is that is that the right? Mm-hmm. So, and yeah. they were trying to tell me how to go there, and I said, "Well, is it? It's like Devil's Kettle." And like, yeah, 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 Devil's Kettle, and then you keep going. <laughs> but that was, but that was like a like a like a landmark, and it was a a point in the I don't know the the landscape of what Athens is. Like you are like a like a like a point in that. We're a point, and yeah, with the I mean, I'd say at my location, I see an uptick in the summer when the students are gone uh, because that's when everybody is driving from Columbus and Cincinnati and Cleveland coming through Athens. Probably because there are now three known breweries here. Um, I mean, as good as Jackie O's was, when it was just one brewery, people might think, I don't know, can I spend a whole weekend uh, in one town with one brewery? Right. Um, and with three, they travel from all over and stop in our town. Let's drink some beer. Normally, we start the show off with drinking beer, and we kind of screwed up a little bit and didn't do that, but... Um well, no, we've been drinking the whole time. <laughs> yeah, me too. But, like, <laughs> the, the people that are listening don't I'm glad know that. Cab here. Uh, I think it's this button. So well, we can drink. Oh, there it is. 
Look, it says we can drink. What are we drinking? All right. Uh, this is something I uh, just poured off the, into a growler today. Uh, this is what's going to be tomorrow's eight day of barrel release. Um, this was, um, I know people are very uh, touchy about the word lambic, so it's definitely not a lambic. I don't know um, that I have that in front of me. Oh, shit. Where's your... It's okay. Oh, uh, there's your empty glass. Um, so, yeah, this one was 50% wheat, like 10% oats, and like the rest Pilsner malt. I'm actually surprised how much color it picked up. Uh, but that must have been partly because it uh, was fermented in the barrel. So, so you I said this is a Lambic brewed in the Lambic style from... <laughs> it's it inspired by Lambic, uh, but... Fuck you, Belgium! Fucking a... Not, uh, not spontaneously fermented, not turbid mashed, I so think the term Ohio Lambic or somewhere along those lines is trademarked. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, we could talk about that in another show. Yeah, those are probably people who are actually, you, even, uh, you know... Sure, Sean will talk about it later about natural, uh, spontaneous fermentation. What, let, uh, no, let's 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 dig into it now. Let, let, what is the what makes a lambic versus a non-lambic? I mean, they're all about their uh, Appalachia of Appalachian of designation, whatever the hell they call that in uh, yeah, yeah. Appalachia. In, or like a regional Appalachian? Yeah, yeah. like what they say. Not about an like Appalachian, uh, let's be clear. That's where we are. I don't know. I don't an know these Frenchy terms. Depending on who you <laughs> Right. It, it, you know, meaning that it's like it's like a regional thing. Like you can do everything to brew a Lambic outside of a certain area of Belgium, and it is no longer a Lambic or a Goose. And so, um, yeah, just not to hijack, but like the term that seems to be picked up um, in the United States is method traditionnel, which means like you're you're using the traditional methods to brew. Is that bullshit though? Um, I don't know. I, I can't say. I mean, uh, it's yeah, it's uh, really no, no. You can say. You can give me your opinion on it. If well, it, I don't really. Whew, that's tough. I mean, I don't. I don't really think there needs to be regional definitions for beer. Can at you this brew point. a pilsner in Ohio? But I would still respect it. You know. Um, you know. I like. I would call something a Kolsch, even though that could only be brewed in Cologne, right. technically. But so wh- I guess I does, have a really, does, really why high. Does, why does Lambic get this like, like seat well, I mean, above you don't everybody have to. else? I mean, you can piss everyone else off if you want no, to. I will. But I mean, I'll do it. I'll do you it. know, I, I respect a lot of those brewers, so I don't I, know. I, not, it, but it's not a disrespect to the brewers to say that I'm making a beer that is similar to yours that if people are looking for that beer brewed here in Athens here it is like that's that's not disrespect to the brewer of somebody in 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 Belgium well if you're arguing what the microflora is that's actually making said beer then then yes it is um so the method uh uh traditional that has now been introduced into the U.S is an interesting thing. It does set guidelines. It does say, like, the beer falls into this if you do X, Y, and Z, which then kind of helps designate something. But then again, that was developed by a brewer um, that was making beer that way. Um, But, like, 
but, but, but go go to Pilsner or Kolsch or whatever it is. Though. Yeah, but we can replicate their water profile. We can buy that malt. We can we can brew it on on on, so on a brew house on the lambic scale. It's, uh-huh. it's yeast, right? Is that the the holdup? It's it's bacteria and and microflora. You can and rep, you can replicate that, right? So no, it's, no, it's no, you sort can't. of you like uh, you couldn't capture it and, and, and replicate it. <laughs> like we're gonna ship air from the Sine well, Valley. Yeah, I mean, no, I don't know. no, no, you can't. You can't capture enough of it to inoculate a whole batch. So then it becomes a thing, but. Can you call that lambic or can't you? That is that is up to the brewer, completely. So where do you stand? I would not call anything that I do that's spontaneous or barrel fermented or sour or anything lambic. I could say lambic inspired, right? Or Sean, but yeah, I agree. Like if you want to say lambic inspired, that's that seems so way more. Um, you know, I don't know kosher. I mean. You gotta give. So you gotta. You gotta give. I don't know. It seems so crazy well, to me. Well, hold on now. I well, mean, you don't make beer. I don't. I, so, well, I, no, I do. You know. I, I guess I can't say I don't make beer. Yeah, I make but, shitty beer. I, I've made beer in my basement. It's it's, it's all right. Yeah, tastes yeah. like green apples. It's good. And hey, I, hold on a sec. I actually want to just pause and say, hey, Cameron, this is a nice, <laughs> nice really little sour beer. Yeah. Uh, I'm getting a lot of stone fruit off of it, like peach apricot. Like I actually thought it was maybe like a like a lightly fruited sour. Uh-huh. It tastes so, very yeah. lambic inspired. I don't think Cameron got to even explain his beer yet. I'm sorry, I'm yeah. sorry, but this is leading into a like a like a big thing that like I would love to talk about on this show. Like, I, no, the lambic thing is interesting. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm call it an uh, athenbic or something. No, like just fucking that. call it lambic. Uh, no, like, do it. Like, this, nobody's telling you not this, to. This is the first athenbic uh, ever made. Um, <laughs> so yeah. I, 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 what I call this is the base of acid. It's kind of a nerdy thing in that you know acids and bases are opposite. But also, you should I put this in uh, bottles. Oh, I thought uh, it was like an Ace of Base reference. Yeah. Are you sure it's not? <laughs> I, did I mean, don't tell anyone, but they're my favorite band. Okay, um, I did yeah. see the sign. <laughs> they they broke oh. up because uh, like one of their members, like the one of the like male members, ended up being like a neo-Nazi. It just ruined the band. Jesus. Yeah. So <laughs> that's way to bring it down, Sean. Ace of base trivia. Is that what happened with Chumbawamba too? Uh, not sure. I'm not yeah, sure they either. Sound like nonsense. It sounds um, sounds right. So also with like the base of acid, I, I, this is the first sour beer that I've made a lot of, um, and so I probably have seven more barrels of this, and so I plan on fruiting some of them in various oh, ways. I haven't done it yet. Uh, I mean, for a sour beer, I think I brewed this last um, August, so it's about 11 months old right now. Um, so it's probably, you know, I could start thinking about fruiting it and uh, doing variants upon it, and uh, it'll all be the base of my kind of acid beers for the 2019. Yeah. Nice base. So is this yeah. one of those crazy beers you're doing this week for the... Yeah, so uh, I guess uh, this thing gets released after I'm going to announce this, but this is coming out on Saturday, tomorrow. Um, unless people are listening live, then, you They're know. They're not, because yeah. we're not live. Ah, damn it. <laughs> this, really, this was released yesterday, or two days Oops. two days ago. Well, it's Monday. Yeah. Today's Monday. Hi. Maybe uh, Re- still have bottles. Released on the 15th? Is it 14th, right? Yeah, the 14th yeah. it'll be released. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I said also about this one, actually having a lot of it. Uh, this one will probably be on draft for a while. Yeah. And maybe, maybe, if you listen to the show and you run in there 
quickly after listening to it, and you really need a bottle. Maybe there's some laying around. Maybe. Maybe. I, I don't know. There's a small bottle released. We'll see how many uh, of them last each time. We got like nine listeners. I, I, I did think, about ten I think, bottles, I so think three we'll of them see. are here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I want to dig into this, this, this whole Lambic idea more. Um, and I know this is probably not the right show to do, but like, well, one thing that you need to be that we all need to be careful with is, um, Sean, have you made a spontaneous beer yet? Who makes spontaneous beers really spontaneous? A, a lot of people BF in the U.S. do. Yeah, um, like even the answer to your question is yeah. is difficult to say i mean yeah we have inoculated wort from our property uh-huh. we have yes yeah, so um started fermentations with that and we've brewed 10 barrel batches with that um but that's not necessarily the same you know there are just so i mean one of the things is like there's just absolutely so many ways to brew a, a sour beer or or a spontaneous beer or a wild capture beer and you know to can we can we talk about the the idea of spontaneous versus wild captured or like explain that for everybody that is like me that's sitting here drinking beer? Um, I, like I can't. Like it would take yeah. such do, a long what time. Does, what does it mean um, to be a spontaneously fermented beer versus? So okay, so for me, like actually, that is possibly the value of using a term like method traditionnel, which says it's made like within these certain guidelines, um, you know, basically method traditional would be the beer is brewed with, say, a certain percentage of um, barley and a certain percentage of raw wheat. It's undergone a turbid mash. It is boiled for a certain number of hours with, um, with aged hops, aged whole cone hops. It is cooled in a cool ship overnight, and it is, you know, not intentionally inoculated with any yeast so it is so put in the barrels. Well, hold on. Uh, it's put in the barrels um, that have been, you know, at least you have made an effort to kill what the resident bacteria, wild yeast are in the barrels, and then it's aged for a number of years. And so, like that gives a transparency. If you if you follow those, if you say you know we follow these practices, it gives you a transparency and an idea of like this is a term, this is a definition, this is what this beer means. But, I mean, so many, there's as many breweries as there are that brew sour beers, there's that many ways to brew a sour beer. And so, I don't know, I think just, you know, it all gets down to transparency. But as a drinker, none of it makes sense to me. I mean, people love kettle sours that love, you know, they just love to drink, like, a beer with some sourness. And that is a thing, and that's okay, you know, but, like, as a brewer i take it on as my personal responsibility to be transparent in my process and to not obfuscate and make like my product sound more valuable than it is but i see that i i i see breweries and i I, i'm not i'm not super knowledgeable i don't i don't get all of the nuances of it and that's that's that falls on me but like i i see breweries calling things spontaneously fermented that Aren't well, they yeah. If you call something spontaneous, you cannot add any other yeast, bacteria, or anything else to it. It has to capture. But can you can can you capture something from your environment that is spontaneous and then 
and be re and and be sort of cultivated up. Cultivate. Yeah, that, I, that, that I think it can't. I think it, it cannot. No, no, no. You cannot like add shit to it. You gotta let so, that. You gotta let the beer. But cool. even if you're not adding anything to it, if you're if you're, it can't have any resonant any other yeast in it. The only thing that fermented that beer. They moving. open the windows. They, so. yeah, it's outside. Yeah. I think what, you, uh, what, what Andrew Gnome is asking is Gnome. like, Gnome. It, what Gnome is asking is Andrew? like, <laughs> so <laughs> if, if say like you did what we did where, you know, we put like a small amount of work out on our property right. and you start to capture things, you, you start with a spontaneous fermentation, but if you sort of... Like uh, domesticate is not the right word. That's but a if good you word. repitch, That's a good word. if you repitch, um, like batch to batch, you, you if you start to pick and strengthen, choose. if you start to strengthen this up and get it to like a process where it ferments strongly and you like it, that's actually already not spontaneous. You're you're that's talking about question. more of like that's a yeah, talking about more of like a wild capture situation is what I would call it. But that's what I don't understand is that there are breweries that are saying, "Oh, well, we spontaneously ferment." And a lot no. of people are saying a lot of things these days. Yeah, it's, you're not you're not opening yeah. the top Some of, of your things, brewery and letting shit fall. It's in. like the wild west. I mean, you gotta yeah. you gotta trust the brewery that you're getting these things from. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, gosh, I mean, you could go on a complete tangent about like. What ingredients are used, and, and it's not just, and it's not even just related to brewing. It could be yeah. making food, you know, making making uh, food in a kitchen. You know, right. what does what does we use local when possible mean? You know, to each individual restaurant, completely different thing. And what I was kind of first getting at when you posed the question was, Sean's the only one that's done uh, anything close to. Uh, spontaneous uh, between the three of us, I believe. I don't know. Cameron. Oh yeah, I totally pitched you into this. Yeah, I, and <laughs> and I've never put anything outside to cool overnight, and so I can talk about it as as a knowledgeable brewer or having friends that do this um, in the state or outside of the state or in another country. But um, I don't personally make spontaneous beer, and until I do, I will never market anything as spontaneous. Right. I'll say mixed fermentation, or I'll say American Wild, or Wild. whatever. But, um, but yeah, it's it's a big debate. Do we need some kind of like governing body that like, or is it yes is it no. is it craft beer and it's the middle finger? You know, hey, we do what we do, and like, I think most people just respect terms like mixed fermentation and wild, but, and they know that they can they can produce similar results, like. I just but, like but I don't even, know how like, much even from like the educated side of it and like I, and I hesitate to call myself educated because I'm not like I I don't necessarily know what somebody means when they say that wild sounds like spon- spontaneous sometimes like if you don't sure. understand it you can say it's a wild ale and some people might just say well that means that these came from the wild which means I mean do you remember um, do you remember at a couple of Crafters conferences ago, I think it was three years ago. I mean, there was a whole industry discussion about what do we call these beers because, like, everything is a misnomer. Like, calling a beer with Brett wild is a misnomer if your Brett comes from a lab. Right. I mean, so it's like most of it does. Heads up to everybody that's drinking their Brett beers. Most of it's coming from 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 a lab. Like, it's they know what strains they are. They're not wild, and there's nothing wrong with that. Getting it from their neighborhood, but. 
it's like it's like almost like every term you use to capture these beers um, is is oversimplifying it. And so, I mean, again, like I would stress to breweries, err on the side of more information than less, err on the side of transparency. Um, but the other point I was going to make is like sometimes like these things get to brewers and or to the to the drinkers and you know they don't really care and and you know they just want to drink a, a good beer and, and maybe maybe the brewers care more than the drinkers do part of that's true but like i there are quote unquote lambic beers from cincinnati and i would I mm-hmm. wish brad was still sitting here he just jumped up but there are lambic beers that are labeled as lambic beers that i've really enjoyed are they lambic beers? I answer no. They're not. But I don't know. I don't know. You say they're not. The person that makes it says they are. Well, I mean, he, he trademarked Cincinnati lambic or something. I don't know. At the very least, they're gonna. It, it, if their beer was popular and really world class, and they were using that term, should have brought some. They would be pissing off the people in Belgium that you know have been. You know, basically, as a group, like inventing do, this, this do they, beer. Do they get pissed off? They yes. do. Oh yeah, they do. In <laughs> and they argue amongst sure. themselves. And, you know, you know. There's, Has, there's have any of us in 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 the United States pissed them off to the point? Where oh yeah, like, many Americans hey. have, but yeah. none of us personally. We'll use terms like wild or inspired or style like, or you know, hashtag like, middle finger yeah. <laughs> we need to drink more beer I haven't done that yet let's get another beer I mean we got another beer in front of us yeah what is um, this one? Oh, um okay so we're just as we're Everybody's drinking Cameron's run. beer we're drinking some Everett's Pale Ale which is um just like a nice beer that we like to make it uses <laughs> that's all... a terrible description okay so it's a it's maybe maybe like a northeast pale ale or a really hoppy pale ale does the northeast get pissed off about you uh calling it a northeast pale ale vermont does um maybe <laughs> but i prefer i vastly prefer that term to hazy because um we just this don't. is hazy though we don't brew beer but it specifically is hazy. to be hazy but it is so that's but it's not a definition of the beer. You can be like, you know, if we say it's hazy and you look at it and it's not hazy and you say, hey, something's wrong with this, then you would be correct. But so, if we, if we but, don't call it hazy because we don't honestly give a shit whether it's hazy or not, we're looking for flavors and aromas and that kind of thing. That's then, a good question, you know. though. So, like, I feel like, and I'm I'm not calling anybody out, and I'm not saying this is for sure, but I feel like there are places in Cincinnati that will make a beer and call it a hazy pale ale or a New England IPA or a Northeast or whatever the hell you want to call it, just because that gets people to say, "Hey, I like those. I that's new. That's fun. That's." Is is that happening here? It's insane how much. Yeah, oh, yeah, totally. Because yeah. yeah. I, I I drank a New England IPA at Jackie's today. Uh-huh. Which, which one? Uh, is it Groove Tube. No. Sequench. Sequench. Sequench is is a dogfish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same thing. Uh, close. <laughs> it's S E E. You know, like foam on beer. Sorry, Sam. Where we no no copyright. All right, so. Uh, let me dive in here a, a little bit. Um, so yeah, 
for so the market is changing, right? And everybody always, especially the IPA market. It's you want to talk about a wild west thing, you know? Anything can happen with an IPA: vanilla beans, lactose, any type of fruit, um, any sort of Sounds turbidity good. level, um, massive amounts of oxidation, which normally isn't <laughs> isn't intentional, but it does happen. <laughs> Um, and for a long time, That's I was, it's supposed to be. <laughs> for, for, for a long time, I was uh, very vocal about being against these styles, and uh, and over time, um, it was just like you know, hey, this is what this is what the customer wants, and so you have to figure out how to navigate through it. Um, what what I was so surprised about was that they're ex- they're actually really hard to make. Um, and especially they're to, really hard to make well. They're very hard to make well. They're also very hard to make and keep keep some sort of haze in them. If you're making what's called a hazy IPA, but that's not always like the intention of it. The intention of it is an extreme aroma, which has resulted through a huge dry hop that is three to four to five to six pounds of dry hops per barrel, and it is literally the hop matter. It is not the yeast typically. That is throwing all of this haze into a beer. When these it's things not settle, flour, you fuckers. It can be though. You say it. It can be. No, no. Well, yes and no though. No, it's not. Well, if you well, no, but that's been done and that is done, and it does work. It doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't taste so, the same. Well, it doesn't. Might not taste the same, but it still makes like, makes the clarity. It's like not everybody's goals for making. These True. beers is the same, and not yeah. everybody's nomenclature is the same, and so it's like everything in beer is like a living, moving, you know, thing definition, yeah. and it's almost like a language, like it's like alive, changing all the time. The definition mm-hmm. can be one thing one year. So, is this beer meant to jump on that trend? This beer, um, yeah. <clears throat> no, in a word, um, but it has changed a little bit since we've since we started brewing it and um we've moved you know say a a edition of mosaic that was originally at 10 minutes before the end of the boil to um at whirlpool and that's about it and we've actually the only other thing we've changed is um we used to use like straight cali ale yeast and now we use like a 50 50 blend of cali and an english ale yeast and so you get a little bit, bit more fruitiness and esters from the yeast. And and that's not to jump on the, <clears throat> the trend at all? Um, so, like, to talk about that, I would have to kind of, like, digress into, like, my personal background right. with, with hoppy beers. Yeah. Digress and, away. Um, so I have personally, you know, I think when I originally started liking craft beer... And I was a home brewer and a craft beer drinker, and I was like learning a lot about craft beer. This is years ago, but um, I loved, you know, IPAs and saisons. Um, but over the years, you know, I found myself just pulling back from IPAs specifically. Um, like I could enjoy like an IPA, but like it gets boring. If it was ex- if it was like exceptional, I might have two, but. I just couldn't drink three. They just weren't like super drinkable right. beers to me. And um, if anything, for like for me personally, what I found within like the Northeast IPA fad or whatever trend, whatever, um, is just like 
when I have a good Northeast IPA or when I brew a good Northeast IPA, I actually want to drink more than two. You know, I want to drink three. And, you know, I think cutting down on the bitterness and increasing the aromatics is, is big. You know, it's a big part of that. And, you know, getting, the, getting rid of the, you know, caramely, sweet crystal malts and, and going for, like, a sort of soft but light palette for the malt is, is a really big part of that. And so, I don't know, um, for, for Little Fish and for me personally, um, it, it hasn't really been at all, at all about, um, you know, like meeting like a market demand. It's just been like exploring like my personal taste and like taste changing over, over time. Does that market demand, I mean, it has to like bleed over into Athens a little bit. Like I, no. in my head, like I feel like Athens is like this nice little like pocket that just sits away from everything and you guys exist in this little like bubble yeah. of like your own little world. Like it's happy and like I come here and like I'm it's glad just, you feel that way. I, I guess about way, the town. It, it, but there, that's the way is, it feels. There, there, there is, there is like a... It's just long enough away that once you get here, you're kind of in a different mindset. And, and, and for the most part, Athens does operate on that level. Um, as far as Jackie O's goes, jumping in into some of these uh, hazy beers or turbid beers, uh, we were listening to... Those mar- fancy New England IPAs. Huh? We were listening to market demand. That is what okay. people wanted. Right. Um, this is a... Uh, this is like they want new products, um, and, they, and they want them to come out in limited quantities and, and things of that nature. And, and, and for for a business of, of, of our size or like some in in Cincinnati, uh, you know, you kind of you need to like listen to that. I, I wish we had Jason Brewer from Listerman sitting right here right now just to talk yeah. about this. Yeah. Yeah. I know he's in town. Yeah, no, no. So, he's, he's not here, though. Fuck you, Jason. Is he, not, is he no, here? No. This <laughs> guy that looks oddly like him. Kind of. <laughs> so like Brad, a shorter Brad, I have like, kind of like... <laughs> it's like a 60% chance that he is actually here, and I can't see around this big oh, no, tank. No, you're fine. <laughs> so I have kind of like a leading question for you, but yeah. I guess I'm curious to know if you have found like... A personal area of like comfort, comfort. or pleasure within yeah. this beer style. Yeah. So, so we put out a beer called "Who Cooks for You." It's fantastic. You're hired. Yeah. And it said it said hazy IPA or hazy pale ale on it. Well, that beer wasn't hazy. Okay, that beer dropped crystal clear. All right. So we were really worried about that. Luckily, the beer tasted good, smelled good, and performed. Uh, exactly like we dreamed it would so now we're developing a new one which is seafoam which will come out in like september in can form and oh, okay yeah so <laughs> exclusive that's coming out yeah Hashtag. exclusive <laughs> exclusive meaning like five thousand plus cases exclusive but you know i mean from from a from a big brewer perspective that's looking for supermarket placements and Myers and Kroger's and Giant Eagles and Whole Foods and all that stuff. This is Hashtag it, it's, it's, a, it's a totally different game. So what we try to do is still maintain a small amount of bitterness. Still keep some sort of like bitter IPA structure still there. Although over time that we've been making more of these, especially at the brew pub, that bitterness is starting to just 
slowly fade away, which is what happens when you start kind of reorganizing these things. The other thing is looking at like um, like proper, or I don't know if I can call it proper, but I'm going to call it proper haze or something that is like respectable, like like the beer we're holding now from from Little Fish. I, this has a golden glow to it. It's Beautiful. very pleasing to look at. I would not have said that two years ago. Um, <laughs> but, you know, trying to keep some sort of like but nice... It, Nice. It goes back to that conversation with the Lambic thing. Like, it's like, it's... No, just... Get, <laughs> it does, get, though. Get, get off of that. It's, get off of that. We're still no, there. No, 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 it's no, always no. still there. No, 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 no. Just get off of that. We built Lambic this. Shit. We built, but, like, the well, New well, England, well, the well, New well, England well, idea, well, idea... Yeah. I mean... Well, we didn't build it in Ohio, so I don't uh, know no, what no, the no, fuck Ohio, you're talking about. Uh, yeah. Depending on who you ask. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean... <laughs> You're talking about huge differences in European yeah. culture and American yeah. culture. I mean, Old Appalachians, world, Appalachians are really strong yeah. over there. I mean, you can't make are prosciutto, not- you know, outside of a certain area and call it prosciutto. But you know, I- you can't make Gruyere cheese outside of a different area and call it Gruyere. I mean, that's you can so. Can, part. So are you? You look like an idiot. But so or is, you get sued by like yeah. is you know. is New England IPA? Is that? Different than Pilsner or Lambic or yeah, because it's only existed for like five, eight years. It has it, the the history is so short and it's okay. changing so much right now. Do not put, don't put that in the same category as as a beer style that's been around for hundreds of years. And there's nothing particularly unique to New England IPAs that mean they could only be made in New England. I mean, Pilsen no. is all about its water. Lambic is all about its natural uh, flora that inoculates it. You know, New England IPAs, I mean, there's great New England IPAs being made in, like, New Mexico. But you're identifying the thing that makes that style unique to 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 wherever it's being made like it doesn't matter so, where it's being invention made. Does here's not my only thing uniqueness. is that you know what's the alternative calling it hazy and then brewing a beer that is specifically hazy in order to be popular i mean who like who cares about what it looks like i'd rather say who cares if it's made you know, in, in, in in pilsen a, a lot of people kind of do I, I, I don't care if my pilsner is made in pilsen. Yeah, yeah. but but um, I guess I, it would be different if if pe- if brewers and yeah. pilsen if if brewers and pilsen were you know up in arms about other people calling their beers pilsner. Is that is that I is would that I would at least thing? I would at least listen to them. I would right. at least hear them out. So what about the fact that like Treehouse, Trillium, Alchemist? are just destroying it, right? Okay? Because people have to go to New England to buy the beer over their bar. I have not been to Pilsen. I've not been to Cologne. But I would go there, and all I'm drinking is Pilsner. Because that's going to be the best representation of it. I'm going to go to Belgium... And I'm going to go to Three Fontaine and Cantillon and drink That's not fair. That's not fair. No, it is, though. So the best Pilsner you can get in the world is still Pilsner or Kell? 
probably at the location. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. Because you're drinking it off a shipping container that's that's been sitting on the shelf. But I guarantee you go there. There is a. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna say that there is some brewery that is better than Pilsner Raquel, but there is. Okay, so I don't want to like devalue this conversation. I mean, these things are they can be discussed, but I feel like we could do better use of our time. Like we could be drinking let's beers drink that beer, then. we brought here and let's let, do that. Let's, let's enjoy <laughs> beers. Let's do that. Let's not talk about. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. I just fucking talking about lambic this is, style. No, but this is yeah. this is a fun conversation. No, it's I not. Actually. I mean, but there's just there's we just, came here no. to talk about Athens and no. and drink some of these beers. But oh, I yeah. pissed Brad off. I don't well, know. It's, I mean, Cameron, hug him. <laughs> hug him. Hug him. I can't reach. Thank you. Okay. I'm hugging um, him. Yeah, I mean, there's just nothing that we could actually, like, what, what are we going to, like, leave this podcast in an hour and uh, we solve the problem? No, for we're, everyone? We're, yeah. we're already I mean, good. Yeah. Like, time, like, we're good. I'm just saying there's, there's <laughs> no mean, end to wrap it there's, up. These are just conversations you can have, but there's Brad, no end. I love you. There's no end to the conversation. Like we're not gonna oh. leave here in an hour and have solved it. People have contact. argued over beer for millennia. Like, anyways, I'll be right back. Awesome thing about beer. Wait, we were supposed to be drinking. I respect the argument. Okay. Oh, oh, I just, I. But there's way too much Jackios just sitting just, here undrunk. Yeah, there's way too much anything. Like I just, nobody will ever tell me that what I'm drinking is wrong. No, no. You're allowed to drink whatever you want. But and you there, can, you can, but, you can. It's it's just like food or music. But there are a lot of people. Subjective. There are a lot of people that are telling, like, I don't want to say no. new craft beer drinkers, but new craft beer drinkers, like that. What they think is right is wrong. That's, that's the bigger discussion, right? It's not like right versus wrong. No, it's but like, it is. It's like no. slights. It's subtle slights. If somebody thinks they're sliding, I'm like. These things aren't a big deal, and so like the big thing is, is like, why are we picking fights? So like, if I if I tell you guys, you two, Brad and Cameron, if I say I had a fantastic lambic, it was brewed in Cincinnati. Man, the beer was great. Tasted like peaches. It was really good. Have you guys tried it from this brewery? I'm writing it down uh-huh. on on this piece of paper, yeah. and I'm showing it to you. Yeah. I what are you talking think? about? I mean, it's a lambic style inspired. No, it was a lambic. It said lambic on the on the bottle. I mean, they say it is, but but it. What matters is that you enjoyed the beer I and did. you spent <laughs> your money and you felt good about it. That's all that matters. Now, if you want to get into the semantics of what constitutes, if it's the style or traditional, or can it be called this or can it? It doesn't. It, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't. I, I feel like in your mind it might well, it, a little it does, bit. It does to me sometimes, but I'm talking from what I what I view it as, as a consumer. What I'm going to put my dollars down on is different than what you're going to put your dollars down on or what Cameron or Sean are, you know, right. or anybody else in this tap room. That's the beauty of it. I love you. You, how, you, you know yeah. that, right? Like right well, now, yeah, like yeah, I'm but not, you know, like, how does like you know <laughs> so over like six thousand like breweries exist in the U.S. all making at least ten hug. beers a year <laughs> exist <laughs> oh without people just you know <laughs> supporting no, it? Edit. <laughs> no, that was a good. <laughs> if one. you're gonna burp, oh, yeah. you get, it's got to be on mic. Oh, you're getting warm from all this style talk. 
I'm sorry, guys. So, so this beer, you should uh, at least tell uh, who it's from. And uh, yeah. Uh, so this is a beer uh, that was brewed at Jackie O's with our friends from Jester King from Austin, Texas. This is a total bastardization of style. Um, it's a lambic, right? <laughs> yeah, right. No, well, honestly, this is a uh, cheers. <laughs> This beer is inspired by Kolsch, but it's it, it couldn't Cheers be. Cheers again. Yeah, it couldn't be further away from a Kolsch than than anything. Um, so this beer uh, is has the malt bill of what a traditional Kolsch would be. Uh, it was then fermented with our house mixed fermentation saison um, culture. For one month, or for actually for for two months, we then uh, lagered it for five weeks, and then we bottle conditioned it. And this has been bottle conditioning for I don't know two to three months. Uh, this is not out yet. Uh, I I brewed this at Jester King in November of seventeen. Uh, this beer came out through Jester King called Final Entropy. Um, and this is our version of it. So our culture, our process. Um, so my take, aromas all fruit, right, Cameron? I get that Pilsner malt, though. It, uh, it has a bit of that Kolsch aroma. It's really cool the way that comes through despite the funk of it. Uh, it's more funky than sour, but it's all pretty restrained and really yeah, so nice. So the key to that was... Mm. You know, brewing a traditional Kolsch, so your IBUs are like 30, 35. So that inhibits a lot of the initial uh, lactic acid uh, producing bacteria. So therefore, you get a more funk forward beer. But this was fermented with not only wild yeast and lactic acid producing bacteria, but also DuPont and Blogy and West Mall uh, yeast strains. Uh, but then it was then lagered. And then over time in the bottle, that resident um, you know lactic acid producing bacteria as things are starting to fade out and things are dying off they're coming in and starting to you know rearrange ketones and and <laughs> redevelop this beer but um, I wanted to drink similar to like the lightness and but also like pilly fullness of right. a lager but have obviously some Brett components to it and also some uh some lactic acid in it a little bit. That, so what's that the, nails uh, right there. What's the ABV on this? This tastes like what I imagine, like, this uh, is 5.3. Yeah. Like, Belgian table beer is what I think yeah. this would taste like. I really wanted to get it. Yeah. Well, we were shooting for 5.2, so we got 5.3. Jesus, you're so far off. Why didn't you throw it away? <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> I, I should have called oh. it a Kolsch. Watered it down. It's so delicious. And I get some of... The same um, signature notes from like your Berliner Weiss strain. Yep, yep. it's um, our it's our lacto culture, like a strong lemon. Mm -hmm. or, um, but but it's it's not your Berliner Weiss. It's no, no, it's um, more. Yeah, it's man. I'm I'm not very good at like breaking down like specific key 
flavor yeah. components, yeah. but I'm I'm getting more Brett complexity and less overt sourness. Yeah. Overall, I was just trying to create a very easy drinking, nuanced thing. It's fantastic. I'm sorry, I'm and baby, baby. And, and it's Everybody say hi to baby. Hey, baby. Hey, baby. <laughs> hey. <laughs> it's still got some mouthfeel. Like it's not like um, She'll appreciate it, thin. It's still sort of got a softness to the to the mouthfeel and carbonation. Yeah. yeah, that was like trying to achieve some sort of like pillow like pillowness to it. Um, How did you do that part? <laughs> I can't, can't accurately <laughs> like really answer that. Just please. Um, How do you do the pillows, man? <laughs> it might be because I pretend. think you want to this is pretend. this is like around three three point two uh, as far as like CO two volumes. <laughs> okay, so I think that added. Although it, I don't know why it doesn't transpose as like tingly. Right. It's yeah. there's definitely a, a real softness. I don't know. This but is, it's all yeah. bottle condition, right? Yes, it's all bottle condition, and this is under That's one percent Play-Doh. Um, wow. This is yeah one point zero zero nine eight seven, so um, beautiful, dry, dry as fuck. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, it's all surprising. Like the stats don't line up with the flavors. Mm-hmm. But it seems so much richer and. We brewed this in December. Rich in, is a good way to put it. Yeah, we brewed it in on December first of last year. And it won't be released for probably another two months, pending label design and ordering and all that. But uh, it's gotten through the weird bottle conditioning THP phase. And I mean, so should we talk about some of the bottle issues we've had, or should we uh, just keep drinking? We can. Let me let me open up uh, one more beer, um, and then we can talk about that. And then I'll open up a third. Beer. That's, so that's, many beers. Yeah. <laughs> Only three. Yeah. Do you guys need to get home? I don't want to. No, wanna no. I, I'm set. I'm you good. got like hotel rooms. I do not. So. I think no. I'm having a cab. Baby just uh, <laughs> said goodnight. Sean, my car is being leave, left here tonight. That's fine. <laughs> There's Lyft. Um, Thank you, Kim. You, you can pick it up from uh, McKee Towing. Tomorrow. Oh, yeah. They're right next door to me. <laughs> Like so, for yes. the record, if deal. you if you are in Athens or if you are coming to Athens, you can get Lyft now. There's no Uber still. Um, hopefully, that'll change. Oh, there's but Liberty. There's there's Lyft. <laughs> no, like I think there's my, maybe like one or two drivers in Athens, but Lyft oh, at least one or two. exists. I don't know, man. They're they're not a sponsor, but um, don't know what's happening. Yeah, I was just getting a towel. I spilled some beer, and oh. I hate when that happens. Yeah. Sorry, we got. I like cleaning up stuff. That was fast. We're brewers. We clean all the time. So we you do. have to. If you don't, you get problems. I can already see like fruit fly populations are higher. So one of I the breweries that. in Cincinnati is like a science kind of nerd brewery. Fibonacci, I love you guys. You're, but you're nerds. Um, they got these pitcher plants, so they're not like Venus flytraps, but they're like mm-hmm. something Are like they that. The, uh, the sundews, the one that pretty much yeah, produced like uh, yeah, fly tape beyond, type shit. Beyond me, but no, I got some. I got some one kind of those. some kind of they're carnivorous cool. plant. Yeah, that's they, pretty good the, idea. They loaded sundews. up behind their 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 taps and 
did pretty good with the, the fruit flies. Yeah, sundews rock. Right, for the I, record. My view is fly traps. I got a couple of them in my place. Uh, they, they'll catch like one or two flies a year. They look awesome. People love them. But meanwhile, my sundews are in the corner. And they uh, you constantly, every time you look at them, they have like ten flies on them. I mean, it's nowhere near as good as, you know, a traditional uh, uh, just apple cider vinegar and Little uh, red dish soap uh, combination with a perforated top. Those, I mean, I have thousands in every single one of those. And, of course, I got those all over the place. They're just hidden. Ooh. All right. What are we drinking? Um, so this beer is called the uh, Electrolyte Lager. Um, we brewed this uh, in collaboration. I did some aggressive pours. It's got some um, some static cling to it. Uh, uh, so this is a collaboration we did with uh, uh, American Solera, which is out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, Chase Healy, the owner brewer there, uh, started Prairie. And uh, we've been friends for a while, and... Uh, he threw out this idea of making um, a lager with uh, with electrolytes, <laughs> so that means salt. Uh, and so we brewed a traditional lager, somewhat traditional, um, all floor malted pills, and they're um, all German hops, adjusted water profiles, blah blah blah. But then we added um, sea salt. Uh, uh, specifically Maldon uh, finishing salt to the kettle. So we have this salted lager. We then fermented this beer with um, uh, blood orange and grapefruit puree. Uh, So it went through its three to four week fermentation, lager fermentation with that puree in it. We then crashed it, removed the puree, dry hopped it with German uh, Hugh Mellon hops. We then lagered it for five weeks, and then we ran it through our funky bottling line, which is the bottling line that lives in our sour hall. So all of, if you're picking up any sort of brett, um, phenolic, or any sort of acid, that was only introduced through going through our, our sour bottling line. Um, and then it's been bottled conditioning for almost two months now. Um, a, a ton of layers here, but this beer is uh, 5.8%, and it is it is a lager until it hit our bottling line. So let's talk about that a little bit. That is um, wow, really um, expressive on the on the Tons funk. Of- I mean, yeah, I mean, and that it is- added so much. You know, not to bring it back to Northeast yep. bullshit, but haze. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. For yeah, a yeah, former right, lager, that shit is not clear at all. Uh, it's a it's a unfiltered continental lager. <laughs> um, there we go. Which is a new new name that's being thrown around. Yeah. Can't use that if you're not continental. <laughs> which we all are, or incontinental. <laughs> oh shit! Better <Literally>. Cheers. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> That's the prune treatment. <laughs> but um, so. yeah. Once again, like a uh, another like taking so inspiration from German beer and uh, kind of it's exploration of the far flung cor- far flung corners of mixed fermentation and uh, more traditional beer styles. 
so good. <laughs> that's a wild beer. I don't care what's happening in any other country. That's fucking good. Pretty fun. Yeah. I'm glad you guys like it. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Let's, uh, let's call it a Athens lager. It's, it's rustic. Yeah, but, I kind of yeah. tuned out when you were describing your ingredients like six deep. Um, <laughs> but once you were like six steps in, I was like, I don't care. It just tastes good. <laughs> Thanks, Kim. <Kevin. laughs> it was, uh, yeah, when, when we were brewing this, we went out and bought the uh, Gatorade powder. And then we started doing titrations with uh, Ricky, which is our like uh, our pale golden <laughs> ale, our, our yellow beer. If you will, and um, you can say Gatorade. It, I can't let it go now. Yeah, so Gatorade powder and Ricky and small do- small doses of Gatorade powder. It's yeah. it's a it's a fairly tasty Rattler. Um, you can only what buy the, uh... the original, like the oh no, I know what you're talking about. I, I used yeah. to cycle. No, a fuck lot you. It and, tastes uh, like Gatorade. Yeah, I had tubs of that. I, but, I was just thinking about the umami beer. I think you did an umami beer. The umami stout. Yeah. Yeah, we made an imperial stout with uh, porcini mushroom powder, maple syrup, smoked malt, and uh, cacao nibs, and MSG. Yes, MSG <laughs> is the best. That's on draft right now. Um, oh, you have that? I oh, didn't yeah. see yeah. it when I was there, but yeah. I was on the It's, uh, it's on the uh, public house side, I believe. Love MSG. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a 12% imperial Hashtag stout. Blank slate. It's got a, like, a light Love earthiness to it, um, but yeah. Definitely added some mouthfeel. Um, I don't know. MSG is more more beer because it's a fermentation byproduct than vanilla beans are. <laughs> so True. you know, it's like um, it just it kind of made sense. I did not know that about MSG. Uh-huh. That is very yeah. cool. There's a bunch of bad bad press about MSG. That's totally natural. That, 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 that is not warranted. Um, tomatoes are loaded in MSG, for instance. Like, if you like tomatoes, you like MSG. Uh, Hashtag MSG. Dude, yeah, this should be all about the MSG show right now. <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, so, we all like MSG. As long as so it's we're not craft MSG, it. I'm, I'm down with it. Craft. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how they craft I MSG. I bought mine on Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> or that. So, um,. Noam, you want to talk about our our uh, infection issues? Yeah, I, I mean, oh. like I do, but like, like uh, we're I don't want to call it infection issues. I don't want to call it like that's, that's exactly what they were. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, yeah, we had a shit ton of infected bottles. Yeah, yeah. so it was about twelve different brands were recalled, um, and all those twelve different brands were were packaged. You know, all in a row, um, not all at the same time, but obviously through the same brewery and through the same packaging. What happened? Equipment. Um, from our testing, um, from our lab testing, it was very clear that uh, about sixty to seventy percent of it happened at the bottling process. Um, There's another twenty to thirty or so that happened. At the bright tank, primarily with um, with adjuncts, and then uh, the other, the last five to ten percent is just human error, which always exists, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, 
unfortunately, uh, we we took a we took a bad um, risk and and put the beers out. At that time, we were sometimes bottling those beers the day before we were releasing them, so we didn't have proper lab data at the time of release. Then they get out there, you know, 240 cases go to Cavalier that get distributed throughout the state, so, you know, some through the tap room and our location's here, and we're sitting on some, and, uh, and then... A week or so later, lab results come back and they're popping up positive. But these beers are strong beers. Um, you know, they're twelve plus percent most of the time. Uh, we brew in at an IBU that should inhibit lactic acid produ- uh, production. But whatever was in our bottling line was extremely aggressive. And then within three weeks, we were seeing bottles turn, which was just absurd. We've had many infection issues over the 13 years or over the nine years that we've been bottling beers, countless of them. And Sean knows this from, from working through that and, you know, and getting extremely frustrated with it, just like all of us. And, uh, and so, anyways, it was really bad. And we created this Making It Right program and uh, tried to make it right. Um, 600 people came through that program. We collected over 10,000 bottles. And we replaced them with good bottles. Um, Or gift cards or merchandise or whatever we could. And uh, so now what we've done since then is uh, we've gotten a new bottling line. We've got a pasteurizer. And... uh, and we've completely overhauled our lab techniques and learned a lot through this that uh, now we're holding on to beer for three weeks prior to bottling before we're releasing it. So it goes through every test that we can and we're using outside labs as well. But we were, we found stuff that didn't show up until 19 days after incubation. So incubating a bottle at a higher temperature day 18 sample looks clean day 19 looks like you dropped a bunch of cereal into a little vial Um, so uh, making adjunct barrel aged beer or barrel aged beer period uh, is a very difficult thing Um, and uh, yeah it's not if it's when and uh, that's what we found out pretty it, pretty hard. It changes the way you guys look at the whole process, right? Yeah, yeah. What, what, what hurt so much was that it's such a big part of what Jackie O's is, especially within the, the more beer-centric cultures, you know. Um, there's a lot of people that don't know that we make 8,000 barrels of Mystic Mama a year. You know, it's like, no, you guys do the barrel stuff. And uh, so, um, yeah, uh, that, was a, that was a hard pill to swallow. But uh, I think we got the things in line um, to hopefully kind of turn that corner. And it's probably something might happen again. It probably will. But at least then it's, it's going to be smaller. It's not going to be 
six months of production. You know, what really hurt so bad about those beers is you brew them well, you put them through the cellar well, you put them into the barrel right, you taste all the barrels, you nick all the bad ones off of sensory or lab, you blend them all together, and then you put it through the bottling line. And it's like 14 months, 16 months of effort. It's just shot. Right. So, um, you know, yeah. But moving on, we're getting over the hump. And, uh, and I got a ton of awesome barrel-aged beer. Um, and we haven't done any adjunct stuff uh, this, this whole year yet. But our new pasteurizer is commissioned on August 6th, I believe. So we'll start cranking some stuff out and packaging some things and then waiting three weeks before you can release it. Right. Yeah. So, so I, I have um, a couple of thoughts that come up. Um, so <laughs> um, I guess one is just how difficult it is to to make a clean barrel-aged beer and to package that, I mean, you almost have to have that pasteurization step. Right. And also, you know, I guess not to excuse anyone that is mm-hmm. packaging clean beer and then it goes sour, but part of the issue is people that expect these beers to stay shelf-stable for an indefinite amount of time and that's not realistic with what the product is. Um, and I don't know. It's, it's an interesting sort of situation. And, you know, I mean, even as, I mean, we're a really small brewery and all we package is stuff that we know has Britannomyces in it. But just anything having Britannomyces in it on its own is an issue for shelf stability. I mean, it, it, it grants you some some serious, amazing leeway in shelf stability. Like, I can expect a Saison with Britannomyces to be able to, you know, just, just a regular old Saison, you know, a couple of years in a bottle, you know, it's still going to be good um, if it's treated well in the bottle. But on the other hand, I mean, you can see a beer sit in a barrel for three months and be at a consistent gravity and package it and see a drop and then you have a gusher you know and um i mean we've got a beer right now that i think it tastes great but it's a gusher you know um and and it's like i don't know what do we do i mean it's it's a wild brewery it's a great tasting beer it's gonna get your coffee table wet when you open it I mean, you know, we gotta we gotta put out a PSA like warning, you know, these beers. I mean, I'll I'll even say what it is. It's uh, it's the latest batch of passion fruit heavy Ryan Heidsquat, and I love the way it's tasting. But when you open that beer, it doesn't matter, you know, how cold you have it, it's gonna gush. So be ready. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'll I'll admit the same. Like I got a bottle that I'm releasing this next week. It's a port barrel one tastes great right now it's got carbonation on the lower side shit when i sell that to people i'm gonna tell them don't age this one i uh i i'm worried that in two three months it's gonna be scary um 
maybe not scary like blowing up, but like it's gonna, it could probably gush in a couple months. So hopefully anybody who buys that particular bottle of my eight bottles, there's only one that I'm scared of. I think they're all, they're all tasty on draft and uh, I'll keep that shit cold and make sure it's uh, pouring fine otherwise. Right. It's like there's some of it that's on the brewers um, and responsibility wise to make sure that their beer is clean or mostly clean and to maybe educate people if they need to keep the beer cold. Um, but it's the nice but, thing about uh, draft is like you control it. Even if like things start going bad, you can bleed it a little bit. Um, but yeah, with bottles, there's no leeway. People will throw that thing in the trunk of their car. And uh, then they'll be pissed off at you when it's uh, gushing like an hour later. Yeah. Yes. How do you, <laughs> how do you as a brewer, like, educate people on that? Like, Transparency. I don't know. I mean, uh, first of all, you proper bottle. I mean, some beers, you know, do age well. Like, uh... For instance, the bottle that I released today is a bourbon barrel age imperial stout. Um, I honestly think this beer is just going to get better with time. And uh, the first couple people I sold it to, uh, I was actually behind the bar at the time. I told them, like, age this sucker if you can. It's going to get even nicer. Um, but meanwhile, when it comes to I sell, I honestly can't remember if it's the uh, the barley wine or the uh, imperial stout that I'm worried about. I'll have to look back on my notes before uh, I release those beers. Uh, but one of those two is I have in my notes. I'm worried that it's going to turn. Uh, and I'll be honest with them because it tastes nice on draft right now. Um, but that's why I, it's also because I have such a limited release. That one I did less than any. Um, I did like three, four cases. Uh, so I have like 48 bottles of it. So that one just tell people to drink it immediately i mean yeah i don't know is it because wine is like what people are usually buying when they when they buy um an expensive bottle and you know wine for the most part is shelf stable so is it sulfites is it because it's beer you know i mean wine is very low ph and wine is very high alcohol do sulfites add flavor do people sulfite beer ever no, uh, there uh, there is a small amount of people that I that that are I, I believe starting the sulfite beer. There's huh. nothing that says that we sh- that we can't. But sulfites is what keeps most of that at bay. But there's plenty uh-huh. of wines that you can drink that do have Brett, do have you know lactic acid uh, bacteria present in them. Um, mainly from like the Bordeaux French region. And yeah, yeah, and sometimes you can have them in there fucking beautiful oh they're awesome why does this remind me of a lambic right now it's not just the oak yeah or you look Um, at the like the whole natural wine mm -hmm. um movement that's happening and uh and that is they're totally embracing all that you know and it's no wonder that a lot of brewers are gravitating towards natural wines or like that's a fun thing you know so we like those flavors yeah, well, because they're similar to what we do. Yeah. You know. 
mind blown. <laughs> like I, I, I don't know, man. It's as a drinker and as somebody that doesn't really necessarily understand why I love what I love. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's it, it, it's crazy. Can I open this? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to open Brad's third beer that he brought. There's yeah. oh, beer shit. behind you guys, too, just for the record. Okay, great. And it's over there. I also have one to share. I just can't reach. So, uh, I mean, like, the show is good. Like, the last and third. Now we're drinking. Um, the last and third beer that we're opening up here is a beer called Iron Furnace. Um, this is a. Uh, English style barley wine that we brewed uh, on July 4th last year. Thank you, Sean. I got you right here. New glass. Oh, look at you. Get that old shit out of here. I mean, I haven't even smelled this yet, but I mean, I know this is seriously Brad's wheelhouse. I mean, this is going to smell fucking delicious. Yeah, so um, American style, or sorry, not American style. English style barley wine. Um, it was brewed with brown sugar and maple syrup. Uh, then aged in buffalo trace barrels for one one year, or about eleven and a half months. It smells a bit like bourbon. It should. Um, at this point, this one is closer to the temperature that I like people to drink it at, which is I don't know around fifty five degrees or so. Um, this beer is called Iron Furnace, uh, similar to uh, like Brick Kiln, which is uh, taking inspiration from the brick industry here in Athens, Ohio. Uh, oh, yeah. Iron ore production uh, was also happening in this region, and they had uh, these things called Iron Furnaces. The one on our label, uh, this beer... Uh, depending on lab uh, stuff that comes back, as long as it is conclusive, this will be coming out on Friday, uh, the twentieth. Uh, if they're inconclusive, I, I will then wait for another three weeks before we have conclusive data. Um, but the label here uh, has Hope Furnace on it, which is a iron furnace that ran from uh, 1854 to 1874. So for 20 years, and it produced 15 tons of iron ore every single day. And it took a town of 300 people to keep that furnace burning for 20 years. Um, so some pretty incredible shit. Uh, I uh, went there and I saw this. And for some odd reason, uh, it inspired me to make the biggest barley wine I've ever made. So, um, <laughs> Which says a lot. <laughs> So uh, this is a beer that we're excited about. It's it's on draft right now at our tap room, um, and hopefully these bottles come out uh, on uh, on Friday. We've got a little over a hundred cases, and uh, so this will be a fairly limited release for us. How many are you going to drop off right here at Little Fish <laughs> for there's, me to drink? There's 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 a bottle of each of these for you, Sean. Right there, just for you. So. Generous, thank you. So, uh, this is so good, so so delicious. I mean, on a brewer's technicality note, what's the uh, final gravity? It's, uh, it's, it's seventeen like, Play-Doh. 
Jesus. There is 600 <laughs> calories in a 12-ounce serving. It's this like, is a beer right. candy. It's delicious, but God damn, it is uh, uh, big. There's a reason why there's this no was, head on no, it's, it's this. No, it's big and sweet. Yeah. And like it's, it's 32 Play-Doh going into uh, fermenter. Wow. But what I'm getting is, I mean, it doesn't taste cloying. It tastes like... There's alcohol. It's 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 almost like um, like I really like um, to drink Manhattans and yeah. there's yeah. there's a definite balance in a Manhattan between like bourbon and alcohol warmth and like and a sweetness and um, a Manhattan doesn't um, necessarily taste like cloying at all or sometimes, sweet. Sometimes I mean, it's a little do. bit. Well, yeah, I guess yeah. it depends on depends who on where it you or, go. Yeah. I let my Manhattan's at Applebee's. Yeah. <laughs> and it has uh, chocolate syrup on there, top. Been there, done that. <laughs> um, it's so awesome. That's my martini. Yeah. <laughs> my chocolate martini. Um, yeah. Food pairings? Bloomin' Onion. All right. Um, but, no, I mean, no, I mean, I just... Layers of spice, right? In this beer, cinnamon, vanilla... Oh, yeah. Um, and and all types of dark fruits in the malt character, but it kind of just like there's just like a like a super graceful balance between alcohol warmth and residual sweetness that you would never. I mean, Brad's saying the the final gravity is super high, but it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't taste cloying at all. I was I was very worried about this beer being overly sweet. Oh, uh, it's dead on. Because uh, you know, typically I want things to be well attenuated and uh, on the verge of dry. It's a common criticism of a lot of our barrel aged beers, but uh, that they're that they're dry or flat. But um, I love the low carbonation. Obviously. Yeah. No, I, mean, I, I will, will always I will. nerd out on that. But yeah, the public is going to complain. Like this beer's flat. Yeah. Fuck them. Yeah, <laughs> it drinks better this way. Trust me. Yeah. yeah. Um. But uh. Yeah. This one I was definitely worried about. But uh. You know, over time, micro oxygenation, the actual dulling of the beer, uh, through being uh, exposed to oxygen, uh, does does this favors and uh, I'm. I'm glad you guys liked it. I'm I'm yeah, super excited awesome. about this beer. Um, it was just we pushed a lot of things. It, it, it is the biggest beer that we've ever brewed. We've brewed 31 and a half Play-Doh beers a couple times, never a 32 Play-Doh beer. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it worked. So hopefully we make more of this next year. This is like uh, what I would call a digestif. Like one of those really sweet yeah, liqueurs. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I mean, Tiny 12 ounce bottle, yeah. you at least want to split it with one other person. But yeah. goddamn, if you drink six <laughs> ounces of this, it's delicious. Three, but, 300 calories. Yeah, that's 300 calories right there. That's, uh, this is, uh, that's a rich, it's like drinking a cake or something. Damn, it's, it's good though. <laughs> I just want to smell this beer. Just want to keep smelling it. Sniff Actually, it. Uh, the fruit flies want to keep smelling it too because they're swarming, <laughs> swarming. my goddamn glass right now. Let's do um, let's do one more and finish this out. So yeah, I'd love to uh, crack open a, a new sour beer for you guys if it that's okay. You probably yeah, get a glass okay. for it. <laughs> okay, well, um, give me a second. I'll go grab it and I'll be right back. <laughs> Thanks, Sean. He's cracking. So calm and polite. 
I didn't even take a commercial. Please excuse me. I feel like I'm going to get in trouble. I'm surprised you haven't had a bladder break because we've all left. Oh, I've peed three times. It's right here. <laughs> I got a bucket. Yeah, oh, yeah. trench drains. <laughs> I was like, man. I'm, Hashtag I'm, bucket. Yeah. yeah, I've gotten up twice as much as anybody. <laughs> it's, it's like on the borderline of painful at this point. But. Oh, look at that stream towards the... Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Come on, gnome. <laughs> Next month, gnome sour. <laughs> We did that like foil from all the bricks. That's cool. Kind of fun. Yeah, I immediately recognized that yeah, label same, same as a uh, hope as back kiln. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, the only kiln that I've ever been to was the hope one, so I totally recognized uh, that as soon as you saw that. Yeah, when I'm when I'm in Santa Cruz, uh, I gotta pee. I go to I guess talk about these, it and like, I gotta do it. Oh you gonna just put like me and Brad just like bullshit for like two seconds. Two yeah, we're about to get really, really weird. Oh, just pee. Okay. Oh shit! The gnome <laughs> just almost knocked over our fermenter. <laughs> a full one. Yeah, it does look full, isn't it? Yeah, it's condensating. He's so full of pee, he's condensating himself too. No, get out of here. You can't hear us. Yeah, it's getting it's getting creepy. <laughs> Got a show to make. No, you don't. <laughs> Damn, this beer is intense. Uh, I mean, Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's a beer that uh, I'm definitely going to want to get a bottle, but I want to split it with like two people. Yeah. I think. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, even even three would be like yeah. very reasonable, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. All right. Beautiful color. Show. I also want to save that just to smell. So we, Cameron uh, Fuller is now going to be uh, host right now because uh, our host left. So uh, <laughs> Sean uh, from Littlefish, can you tell us about your newest beer that you just brought us? Yeah, um, Noam, uh, he needed to evacuate his stomach, but I would like right to back. talk about Lambic personally. <laughs> Um, so this is a Lambic. Fuck it. Let's call it Lambic. Yeah. No, okay. Oh, this is a good Lambic, Sean. <laughs> okay. But, <laughs> so it's not Lambic, but it is a Frambois. Does that get you hot when I say that? I don't know. Is that Frambois just a Lambic with raspberries? Well, it could be. Could be. Or it could be um, just a raspberry beer. <laughs> Anything it could be with a raspberry beer, right? That you, yeah, and you pronounce it in French, and it becomes yeah. frambois. All right, so I'm going to call this so, a raspberry lambic. So, um, if you must, <laughs> it smells great. Do you have black raspberries in here? That is a really good question that I cannot cannot entirely the, yeah. answer you the question. The to. color of it um, suggests it, it is. So it's an amber based beer. Okay, this is wood but I mean, I the color to me says this definitely had black raspberries in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we've done learned astronomer twice. Um, the first year, it was basically just a wood thrush base beer, aged in wine barrels with um, with Oregon raspberry puree, and it was one 
bag of Oregon raspberry puree per barrel, which basically comes out to about like one pound of fruit per, per gallon. Um, and so the, the, as soon as we got it out, we knew we liked it. So we wanted to start it again. So we started, you know, the second year we did the same thing, you know, wood thrush and an oak barrel with raspberry puree. Um, but we also knew we wanted to amp up the fruit. So, um, each barrel was, um, finished with, uh, 50 to 60 pounds of, um, fresh frozen raspberries, like whole fruit raspberries per oak barrel. And, um, currently because we don't have like a specific fruiting tank that we can devote to fruited sours, we really, we really just fruit in the barrel and it's more work and it's messy, but yep, it works. Yep. You do what you got to do, yeah, right? Totally. So, um, so, so this beer had, you know, the, the 50 to 60 pounds, um, per oak barrel of, of, uh, fresh frozen raspberries. And I mean, the color coming off of it, I mean, it, it's kind of seems like it has to be a black raspberry, right? Or like, yeah, yeah, I, I would imagine. Well, um, even looking at the label, it seems like from now on, it has to be black almost, raspberry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a very dark label. Yeah. And we've got nope. this sort of, you know, night Gotta, sky astronomy theme mm-hmm. to it. And so it's a, you know, a bit of a dark label. Um, got a great black raspberry connection. Yeah. I, yeah, so we should just probably we roll with just that. Just double up on. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I feel like you guys are doing a show without me. But well, everybody yeah, has yeah, well, I mean, yeah, yeah. Cameron, Cameron kicked it off. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> judging what I've he- what, what I'm hearing, beer is good. Try it. it, it no, I did. We, uh, I okay. think it's a lambic. <laughs> it's a very lambic style. Uh, <laughs> It's good. It's too style, I would say. <laughs> it's um, it's a northeastern IPA lambic. It's very um, hazy. Uh, <laughs> um, it's good. I mean, I, like this beer, and we do a lot of barrel aged sours. We do it. Yes, this is this is little fish beer. It just got released today. Learned astronomer. It's the second batch we've ever bottled. And um, I think it is, we are, you know, so like say Little Fish um, releases a beer called Learned Astronomer. I mean, it's going to take us. I'll say that. It's going to take us a few batches to really learn what we want that beer to be and to kind of let that beer almost like, like, it's like the beer almost has its own personality and we allow it to become what it is it needs to be so right now it is um i think it's pretty fruit forward but it's not like it's not like a four pounds per gallon fruit forward raspberry beer but it is in the aroma and the flavor it is very much raspberry it's it's definitely like um i think it's quite nice sean do you say this is still only about one pound per gallon or did you add it um so it was um one bag of Oregon fruit per Puree, barrel. So 42 so pounds per barrel. You so really got a lot of fruit character for one or, bag. And um, yeah, and that was that was just the original and then it yeah. was finished with about an additional pound okay. per mm-hmm. gallon. Yeah. That makes um, sense. And uh, towards the end of fermentation, but so I think what we're going to do like trending in our, you know, fu- 
future um, sour fruited um, yeah. beers, we're going to be doing a lot more at the end. I mean, I, f- I really yeah. feel like that's the way to go. Yep. Um, using, yep. you know, I, I'm pretty big on, um, you know, fresh frozen fruit. I think that that is a great thing. And, you know, it allows you to, you know, as much as I love the idea of like local fruits and seasonal fruits, you know, frozen fruits have no disadvantages. I mean, they they are great, fantastic fruits to use for, for sour beer brewing with all of the aroma potential and all of the flavor potential. You know, you're not really losing anything. You just gain... Um, you know, seasonal flexibility. So, so there's there's a big kind of shakeup back home in Cincinnati right now mm-hmm. about people talking about fresh fruit or purees or whatever that thing may be, and there are people, and I'm not going to name names, that like will shit on you if you don't use real fresh fruit. Well, so I think that if you if you say fresh fruit or put fresh fruit on your label, right. um, you should be using fresh fruit. What does that mean? That means that it's maybe flash frozen, maybe That's a not. That's weird thing, because freezing it bursts yeah. the, uh, the cell walls. So, like, you want to, like, at least well, use frozen fruit. Even, even when I get, like, whole berries, I usually still freeze them, yeah. or at least I used to when it was on the smaller scale of the brew pub. But I think what fresh fruit means is is that you're using fruit, whether or not it's been frozen or not, or frozen for an extended period of time. There's there's that thing, um, puree. Purees versus yeah, but if, if you say aseptic purees, not only has that fruit probably been frozen, but it's been heated up and run through strainers and become aseptic and packaged in mylar bags and and all this stuff. Uh, so there's a difference. There is. But it's pretty minimal because there's it doesn't change actually like from from a brewer's end of it, um, it doesn't change that much. Whether mm-hmm. you're buying purees, mm-hmm. no, 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 it's yeah. All right, uh, it's probably you, not the fruit itself that's changing. So every so everybody's sort of you know got their own. Um, I guess like comfort zone, um, you know, and I mean, also when you're using super fresh fruits, hyper local fruits, I mean, it's just like serious, um, sort of like stone walls on like what you can actually produce as a brewery. You know, if you want to do a peach beer and use whole fresh fruits you've got at the most like a two to three week window to produce that beer within one year um so i think and you might get a hundred pounds yeah or, if you're lucky yes yeah. if you like, want to be local yeah of like seconds yeah and or if you are okay with going with georgia peaches you can get like a couple tons but if you want right. to be local you're gonna get a, a couple hundred pounds yeah. you know yeah. I just, I, um I, I, and so there's there's 
I, I just think it all goes back to transparency. personal choices and transparency and just saying what it is. You know, like the like we have specific beers we produce here at Little Fish in different ways. And some of them are more like I want to save it for um, this beer is we're just going to use like whole fruits, real natural fruits. We're not going to uh, rely on purees or whatever. Um, other beers, I'm like totally willing to rely on purees because you know it's it's sense. a it's a more like a production beer and it, it's a beautiful thing in its own right. But it's not like this hyper limited release, you know, specialty thing. Um, but like we'll always tell people what it is. And where I personally don't, where I don't tread at all as a brewer is into natural flavors. And um, I feel like that's just a whole different realm. You know, I mean, if you can drop into a tank um, 100 milliliters of apricot flavoring and, and call it apricot beer, I mean, right. I, would, I would hope to God you're at least putting on your label that it's apricot flavor, you know? I mean, I, yeah, I'd appreciate that you at least say that so people know what they're having. Big conversation there that we just touched upon. And, um, I mean, to me, it's much more important than you know the the stylistic guidelines. <laughs> you know, what, whether a lambic is brewed in Belgium. You know, I mean, I, I just want to know what people are brewing with. You know, tell me the ingredients. You know, tell me the process, and don't bullshit me as a consumer. Or you know, I mean, if you're if you're bullshitting people, like. You're disrespecting your consumers and you're disrespecting your fellow brewers as well. Yep. It's not really a big discussion. <laughs> hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hear me out here. The big discussion, though, needs to happen from the consumer to the brewer. And if they don't care, there is no discussion. And that's what's happening. Mm. Okay, so do you so so do you feel that? I don't know. I I'm, I'm I always try to be super transparent. Like you know, when these labels come out on those beers that have layers and layers, they might be a little <laughs> bit whimsical or whatever. But like, it's gonna it's gonna spell it all out. And like, I don't have secrets. You can take pictures. You can. I'll I'll give you the recipe right. because you you can't brew that beer at your place because you don't have the brewers that I have brewing it. Not to say that they're better or anything, but they are literally different people. And you don't have the same equipment. You don't live in the same area that has the same humidity or temperature fluxes. or like You just can't do it. Your barrel aging place is sweet. And it's, and it's not <laughs> temperature controlled. And it's like 85 degrees right now. But it's massive, so it stays... Comfortable. Well, it's it's massive, even outside. It's chain link fence. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it spills into sixty thousand. I mean, feet. your place has temperature change, but it's very comfortable year yeah. round. I've been there in the winter, yeah. Yeah. and it's comfortable with no it's heat. It's not comfortable right now. <laughs> oh, it is hot. I oh guess. yeah, yeah, yeah. You you want to you want to go through thirty thirty bourbon barrels out. Eight samples at 85 degrees at a desk trying to take notes and be, like, analytical about it. But I guess what I'm getting at is 
the big discussion has to be the consumer either needs to care more about what they're drinking and ask more questions and and then force the producers to do this or or they or they won't and and, and that's you, fine so it, I don't know. It, maybe it's fine, and maybe that's... It's, it, it's their money. They can spend it on whatever they want. How do we... They can buy cider. Fuck beer. You know, like... <laughs> fuck beer. Buy drugs. Like, <laughs> yeah. whatever. How do we How do we build that in beer? How do we... You, you, you how do hope, we do it? You hope that people read your labels. No, but they don't. But, so <laughs> I how know, do you, I know. How do you it's build like, it? How do you... Who wants how do you, to read basically, that? beer is the most delicious Some drug there right, is. But how do so you? Yeah. They're <laughs> gonna stay hooked. <laughs> but how do you? How do you create that? How do? How do we as drinkers? You just tell continue our to do it, and do you continue what? to do what? You 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 do what you well, do, and you focus on quality. Yeah, I just drink. Well, well, that's that's one small <laughs> part of the how community that buys we, the how beer. Do we, how do we? How do we do better? Drink less and care more. Yeah, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm not. Yeah. I don't know. I see it again. All of these things that we're talking about, they I feel like they tie into a bigger picture of food culture in our country and um, how I think you know probably since originating in the 50s we have gone away from you know food that is real to food that is processed and um to almost um you know giving almost like a higher value to food that is processed and then seeing that food cheapening and seeing our our whole food like removed one extra step from what it actually was in the beginning, which is like real things that came from a field that were made by people. Um, which is now considered and, like hoity-toity to like <laughs> right, real you know, food. Like what like, the fuck is that? Sorry, you know. wanted like a, a real vegetable. <laughs> oh, I, I, yeah. I ate a carrot today. I'm so upper class. <laughs> what the hell is that? So yeah, exactly, exactly what you guys are talking about. I think it has to do with beer as well. So like now there is we're seeing a value come about to um, you know foods that are produced locally and produced seasonally, but it's almost like this elitist thing where it's like you know people that are upper middle class and higher can afford these foods that are that are local and that are sustainable and, and stuff like that. So how do we get it from, you know, a product that is, um, and you know, the upper, I don't know, 20% of, of, uh, you know, the, the whatever income class. So just like a normal thing again, just a normal thing to just like eat produce that is from your region and, and, you know, in season, and I think all those sort of same conversations with food have to do with beer and wine and all of those things. And so, you know, as we, I would hope, like, remove ourselves from processed sustainable foods and whatnot, 
or I'm sorry, it's from processed and, you know, basically not sustainable foods, you know, maybe we, maybe we find our way into like understanding that like beer is like a real live thing. It's made with real ingredients and maybe it's, maybe it's not even that like shelf stable. Like maybe it's, maybe we understand that it's a live product and, right. and then it changes in the bottle. Yep. I don't know. Yeah. You talk about like frozen homogenized bullshit food, you know, and, and it, it's all out there and it's huge. Uh, but it serves a time and a place as well. Sure. And my my right, dad yeah. loved Velveeta like it was like the space age cheese right. yeah. of the future. Yeah. I drink a lot of PBR. Um, I drink a lot of old Milwaukee. Like every once in a while. I yeah, just, and, I and, just uh, want like a, a big mass produced. It's going to be the same thing every time. Right. You know, like we can't sit around here and drink. You know, eight, ten different beers. Not every night. Well, we could. No, no. <laughs> no. Every night, nah. Nope. But I mean, you know, I wasn't going to drink beer today, and then I remembered that I signed up for this. So. <laughs> but but craft That's is why I didn't craft is uh, finding its way back into, you know, ricey lagers, you know, and, yep. and and finding value in that as absolutely a, as a flavor, you know. Yep. If those if those beers but didn't taste good, yeah. they wouldn't be here. We're still, I think, digging ourselves out of some, like, maybe, like, the next generation of drinkers will be a a little bit more understanding of what we're actually doing, Um, other than a small microcosm of, of, like, craft-focused people being in, like, into the company and into what you're doing. All in all, we're still having fun, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No matter what we're calling beer, we're still liking it. Yeah, still making it, yeah. <laughs> and it's changing, which is which is important, you know? And it, it makes total sense, you know? Yeah. It's just it's like right now craft brewing in this country is basically 40 years old to be generous. And I think that... 40 more years from now, hopefully the brewers and the public will be a little bit more mature about how they decide what is good and how they decide how to spend their money. We're talking about brewers. We're not going to be mature. (laughs) Good point. It only goes so far beyond what. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. This is um, one of the most fun shows that we do as a show. Oh, man. We didn't talk much about we Ohio Brew Week. We didn't talk, about, we didn't talk much That's about okay. It's going lunch. on for 10 days. <laughs> Every bar on Longest Street week of the year <laughs> actually has good beer when they normally don't. So stop in every place. I mean, I imagine yeah. like OhioBrewWeek.com is probably a website. That's probably yeah. a good thing oh, yeah. to... Yeah. That sounds right. Yep. Yeah, that sounds no. good. Maybe it's .org. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's Org. .com. All right. Cool. <laughs> OhioBrewWeek.com is the website. You can go there and you can get a list of events. Uh, 
They've got a fairly good updated tap list from all the locations. Yes. Um, <laughs> and 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 honestly, like you know, Including being Devil's Kettle, Jackie O's, and Little Fish, yeah. absolutely Your premier. <laughs> Those are the Ohio best places. <laughs> the oh, Athens, Ohio breweries. <laughs> Grab a I'll, taster. I'll double Grab check tomorrow morning when I wake up and like I'm like, what the fuck happened last night? <laughs> yeah. Well, we solved the lambic debate, so yeah. no, we uh, didn't. Yeah. We didn't solve anything. <laughs> no. We'll talk about it next year. No. no thank you guys. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back next Listen. year or probably. I don't know. We'll talk about this. Well, yeah, I mean, topic. we'll we'll see if there's a fourth brewery next year. <laughs> so I hope I've invested my money wisely because I've year. got like a hundred plus pounds of aging hops <laughs> in the in the ceiling right now. So I don't know, Sean. I'm pretty sure. Know. Didn't you guys tell me the the lambics were going to be hot? It's, it's right. a new thing. Yeah. Okay. I mean, Sean, you can make plambic all you want. <laughs> the plains lambic? No, like you planned it. Oh, a plan, plan yeah. bick. Okay. What, plan what about uh, American bick? <laughs> hmm. uh, I mean, you're you're still hitting the Russian River thing with this. Sanambic. Sanambic. Yeah. Nombic. Oh, come on. Fuck them because I was there. They didn't have any beatification, so I had to drink. Well, they don't have it all the time, Cameron. What do you expect? I don't know. I thought I thought Vinny was going to serve me. Nobody respects it. Get fucked. Yeah. But anyway, man. He Jesus is a really Christ. nice guy. Have you had their porter? Oh, yeah. Their regular Wait, porter? Uh, yeah, he's yeah, phasing us out. Goddamn yeah. good. He's phasing us out right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love you guys. Yeah, we'll be back uh, next I didn't, year or next week, depending. I didn't get to talk about my uh, crowdsourced ambient fermentation. Yeah, we So, you know. Let me know. We'll, we'll Let me just hint at it. It's toilet <laughs> to ambient fermentation. <laughs> All in one thing. It's, it's everybody's toilet, you know, deposits into ambient fermentation. It's a community thing. It's the Athens thing. Yeah.